Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I am Ben Standing and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means I spent the last three days in lovely West Palm Beach, Florida, site of the of this year's NFL owners meeting. Uh, it was a very interesting experience. I'm going to share some thoughts with you guys on what that was like to, to be in this setting. And of course, discuss various topics on the Washington Commanders from what Roger Goodell had to say about Dan Snyder to what Ron Rivera had to say about uh, players coming to Washington or considering coming to Washington about some situations on the roster. And yes, plenty of Carson Wentz talk to help me uh, through this. Our friend Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times Dispatch joined me. Um, w- w- Michael and I are both here uh, in Florida. We were we had plans to discuss this face to face yesterday, but when Roger Goodell spoke and, and said um, effectively that Dan Snyder still not running the team day to day that that sent everybody kind of off to 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 writing what they needed to write and from a timing perspective we couldn't do this face to face so we had to do it basically over the phone and um I'll just be honest I don't have my microphone with me here um because I didn't think I was going to record it this way anyway so hopefully the sound quality works I just wanted to be honest about what's going on with that and if you're wondering why Michael and I were talking over the phone rather than uh, in person but um I spent a ton of time with him and the other reporters here as well as with Ron Rivera, we had a chance to speak with him on multiple occasions uh, for, uh, on the record down there. We spoke with Martin Mayhew as well and had a chance to hear from a lot of different voices um, because obviously one of the interesting things with regards to the owners meeting is kind of everybody is, is, is here. Now, everybody is also in theory at the Combine, but it's a very different deal. The Combine is, is, is a more about, well, it's about free agency, but... And it's about the draft, but a lot of those things are happening sort of behind the scenes, and we're also focusing on the, the players there, and that's, you know, free agency is about to start you know, here. Free agency is not over, obviously, but, you know, it's, we've gone through two weeks. The, the rush is over. You know, the big money is kind of largely been spent. The big moves have largely been made. The draft is still a month out, and this is an opportunity where it's pretty, it's pretty simple. For most people, you're focusing on your coach will be there. Your GM will be there, maybe a, a team president or somebody like that, and the owner will be there. Now, that's for most teams, not necessarily our team, of course, the Washington Commanders. Uh, Dan Snyder was not at the NFL owners meeting. They were represented by Tanya Snyder. I did see her there. Jason Wright was also there. Um, and um, the opportunity to just like we had a chance to talk to Ron Rivera, we had a chance to bounce around and hit up other coaches. So was able to ask Frank Reich questions about Carson Wentz. Same thing with Doug Peterson, who, of course, was Carson Wentz's quarter uh, head coach with the Eagles. Um, got to ask Nathaniel Hackett, the Broncos coach, about um, why teams are, are being, seems like the teams are a little bit more aggressive this year with searching for the quarterbacks. Uh, got to ask people what they thought of the wide receiver market, which is obviously important, not just from a broad NFL spectrum, but for a team here with Terry McLaurin, uh, his contract situation up in the air. So all that happened, <clears throat> but then it was done in this sort of very old school setting of breakers I'd never been before. You know, I mean, uh, I, I said this to Michael, but the, you know, very old school money 
kind of vibe. Obviously, an incredible place. Uh, you know, it's got to take out a loan to, to to stay there for a night, things like that. And when we're at the combine, like that feels sort of like neutral territory with us and the teams. You know, it's sort of this generic convention center-y kind of a place. It's not, you know, it's just, it's just kind of a neutral. This, it feels like we were kind of like interloping on their space a little bit, which kind of makes it kind of makes it interesting. We were live behind the velvet rope, as it were, um, when you're in the lobby. I mean, right, you know, when we first got there, or I should say at various points, you know, you're in the lobby, you know, Ron Rivera is there. Um, Brandon Bean is there, the Bills Jam, and, and that's a whole other topic, which we'll get into as well. But um, And all of a sudden, you look around the corner, and there would be uh, Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay. There would be um, Howie Roseman, the GM for the, the Eagles. But then there would be the, the Haslams, the owner of the Browns, who were just on TV the other day um, discussing their decision to sign Sean Watson, which was obviously one of the other big topics here. Um, as well, so it's just and uh, you know it's just kind of wild to turn turn around every corner and there's somebody I have note and you know obviously when I could I took a took the opportunity to, to try to speak to different different people about Washington and about the league as a whole and other topics and it was a really interesting time and I, I'm really appreciative to the athletic for um, allowing me to attend. Um, so Michael and I talked on a bunch of these topics, including you know what Roger Goodell said about Dan Snyder. Uh, what Ron Rivera said about various football topics. We got into what Jim Irsay, uh, the Colt owner, came out and said about Carson Wentz yesterday that really set off sort of a lot of uh, firestorm a bit. Uh, you can see on Twitter and elsewhere people reacting to Jim Irsay's comment about really why the Colts were really happy to have moved on from Carson Wentz. And it all shapes part of what's going on here in Washington. Um, I did just want to get to some other topics, though, just some sort of notebooky things. Um, Terry McLaurin, obviously, from a football perspective, is probably the biggest question right now for Washington. What's going on with that? I know last week, before I came down here, people, there was no reporting on this, of course, and people were just sort of wondering, hypothetically, if, if Devontae Adams can get traded, if Tyreek Hill can get traded, what, what where do these things stand with Terry McLaurin? He hasn't signed the contract yet. Is this an indication that things are going wrong? Uh, I guess I'll put it put it like this. In terms of the the, the timing, there's nothing happening, in an, and I mean that in, an, in in a positive way. Meaning, Washington had a lot to get through here, right? You had to get through um, the Senior Bowl, and you had to get through the Combine, and you had to get through the start of free agency. And so on. Terry McLaurin's under contract. He's he'll be here. You know, he's playing here next year. They didn't give Jonathan Allen his extension until minutes before the start of training camp. That's in July. So there's plenty of time between now and March and in July. Um, the question, of course, is where is the contract going though? Because of the way the marketplace is. Um, I wrote about this several weeks ago. How. You know, I think it's important to remember that Washington offered Amari Cooper more than the five years, $100 million that he eventually signed with Dallas. And that based on where those two players are, that that actually is a pre could be a pretty decent barometer to look at, or a, d a d good measuring stick, I should say, to look at when it comes to McLaurin's contract. Now, I don't know if Washington will see it that way. But since then, money's gone up even higher with Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill getting new deals. I, I don't necessarily know that I see the, that, that McLaurin is going to get a deal at that level. But I did hear people say to me, hey, obviously his side should go for that. 
And, you know, when you look at some other variables, both Adams and Hill, look at the quarterbacks they had compared to the quarterbacks that McLaurin has had and then consider the production that he has had. Then, on top of that, factor in that Terry McLaurin is arguably the face of the franchise right now. I mean, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it's I'm not saying he's the definitive, like, oh, this is Terry McLaurin's team. But when, you know, Washington is doing this themselves, right? It's, it's sort of Terry McLaurin, Chase Young, John Allen are the three guys that they kind of bring out the most. Uh, for sort of the promotional aspect of things. And I'm sure Carson Wentz will fit in there now as well. But McLaurin, obviously a fan favorite, a popular player, uh, a, a locker room leader. He's a you know legit professional out there on the field. So there's a lot of reasons why Terry McLaurin is going to need to get paid. I don't have any sense that there's any issue at the moment. I just think everybody's sort of being patient with it. But it will come down ultimately to how much money are they going to give him. And if they don't, well, we have now seen there is a trade market out there. Um, I'll sort of leave it at that for now. I will get more into this on The Athletic um, over the next uh, few days. Um, I, I, as I said, uh, some other topics Michael and I got into a little bit. Um, both Martin Mayhew and Ron Rivera discussed that Cole Holcomb is a viable option for them at middle linebacker, which is a bit of a departure from where we left things in January when Ron Rivera was saying that they would need to, to, to look for one, that, that he didn't view Jamin Davis and Cole Holcomb in that role. Um, I asked Ron Rivera kind of, well, how did you get to that conclusion? And he said it was reviewing the season um, after, it was, after it was over. And they got themselves back to that. I don't necessarily have a huge problem with Cole Holcomb in that spot. At the same time, it just felt like they had thought they needed more of a veteran presence there. Um, they still need to get another linebacker one way or the other. And so the question is, if they're more open to, it doesn't have to be a Mike linebacker, fine, but you still need to get somebody. And you could do, use the draft for this, but do you really want to spend um, two first-round picks in consecutive years on a linebacker? That doesn't seem likely. You could obviously wait day two. A uh, guy like Chad Muma from Wyoming, I think, is a pretty interesting guy. So that's a possibility, you know, to do that as well. But now you're relying on another rookie is, is my only point. And that would mean Cole Holcomb as a fourth-year guy is the most veteran with Jamin Davis as a second year and then a rookie. So I just don't know that that, to me, makes the most sense. But larger point is they're not seeing – they're not apparently, if, if what we're buying what they're selling, they're not just looking at a, at a Mike linebacker. They're, look, they're open to whatever they can do to uh to help that cause obviously they still need to fix, fix some depth at a few different spots um that will take some time uh, michael and i got into the idea that ron rivera was saying he was pushing back on the on the narrative that free agents are not interested in coming to washington I, as i mentioned in the, in the discussion at this point i'm talking to you guys on wednesday morning they have signed two outside free agents a guard andrew norwell who probably be the left guard, and uh, F.A. Obata, a defensive end, who, the, the thing is, both these guys played with Ron Rivera in Carolina. They just have not, they still have not gone out and added new pieces, and it is interesting on that front. Um, I, there was some talk, at least the conversations that I was having about, you know, kind of what, what, what is Washington's approach here? Is it just about being patient? Okay, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. There are still free agents available. You can get some guys on some on some economic deals. 
that maybe works out best for you. That that is an absolutely reasonable approach. But at the same time, and, and obviously Carson Wentz's addition with a $28.3 million cap hit this year changes the overall equation of how much money they can or can't spend. But they did then go out and make these salary cap related moves, releasing Matt Ioannidis, releasing Landon Collins, that created some more openings and they haven't used that money yet. And it will be interesting to see what is happening here. Is it is it just patience that they will eventually start spending up to 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 get um, not just bodies but get legit help, or is there something else going on here? You know, is there more of a maybe a little more of a cost cutting um, aspect to 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 this situation? Um, you know, I, I'm not saying it's connected to the ownership on 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 any level, but there is obviously the stadium ties. Um, I'm not suggesting to be clear that signing a middle linebacker has anything to do with whether they put a stadium in. Dumfries or, or, or PG County or DC or any of that stuff. I just mean trying to make sense of it, of 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 it all. Why are they? Why do they have this money when they're they're not using it yet? They, they they're they're selling the idea of patience. We will see what is going on here um, on that front. Um, you know, like I said, beyond that, it was a really interesting opportunity to be around uh, the league, uh, to be around. Um, you know, Roger Goodell, uh, you know, Les Snead, Rams, GM coming off of, of, of a Super Bowl and, and hear what these other people have to, to do and say. And, and, and Michael and I, as Michael and I discussed, you, you talk to other reporters, you, you hear what their day was like, what are the topics that they're focusing on. And it's interesting that there's so much of, uh, hey, you know, how do we make this football team better? What what worked last year to have us to have us have a great year? What didn't? Versus we're kind of in this constant, as, as we all know, this constant sort of drama here with regards to ownership. And even with Carson Wentz, you know, I, I don't I don't know what the number one player topic was out of this thing. I mean, Sean Watson probably, but um, Carson Wentz is really high up there. And it's largely because the other team has, was bagging on him on the way out. And I understand why. It doesn't mean it can't work here. But at the same point, <laughs> that's kind of how it went there. It was sunshine, blue skies. The water was a color of blue, was just off the charts crazy. Uh, and yet, even here, there was always this sort of cloud. The cloud that hangs over Ashburn made its way down here um, to, to deal. And it's not something we really want to deal with, but it is what we have to deal with because this is what it means to cover this team for now um, until further notice. Um, all right, that said, let's get to my conversation with Michael Phillips. I'll have more this week on The Athletic and, uh, about kind of things I heard. Uh, with regards to McLaurin, the roster, uh, the front office, and a lot more. Uh, so we'll get to all that here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right, as promised, joining me here on the podcast, we are both in the state of Florida, but we are separated for the first time in a few days. Um, but we're going to connect here by talking about what went on at the NFL's owners meeting. Here he is from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. The great Michael Phillips. Uh, Michael, what a what what a journey here over these last I don't know three days. It's it's been on the one hand, it's felt like some of the longest three days of my life because these have been up at <laughs> up at dawn, down at you know down at dawn. Uh, feels like sometimes uh, for, for work purposes only, primarily. But at the same time, it's been a really interesting trip, both in terms of the scene, which we'll get to, as well as the how did you enjoy your NFL owners meeting? Well, yeah, it, this this makes a compelling case for the West Coast owners meetings because when you start the day 
at 6 a.m. on the West Coast. It's actually 9. I'm, you know, I, I feel good. And this is about my comfort, um, which, which hopefully Roger will recognize. Um, it is beautiful. It is the breakers. It was West Palm. The weather was great. Uh, it, on the whole, the, there is a vibe that the NFL is doing really, really well right now. Um, they had a monster year last year. Um, were there controversial things on the docket? Yeah, of course there were. Uh, Sean Watson, I, I think it's very much still a controversial uh, topic. Uh, minority hiring is, is not going away. Um, but, but you would say on the whole that the league is doing very well. Now, then you've got our little merry contingent of Washington Commanders media off in the corner, and things are not going very well uh, in Washington Commanders land. And uh, it's just a very fascinating juxtaposition that, you know, the league is bringing all these people in to wine and dine. And uh, uh, JP and I chatted with Robert Kraft for a minute yesterday. He's just you know, feeling good, good, good spirits. Uh, like, you know, everybody feels like, like they've weathered this storm and the league's doing great. But uh, then you got the commanders, and there's very big existential questions. It was weird, like looking at, you know, talking to my other colleagues. You know, what 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 are you focusing on today? What you know, the, the good thing about the owners' meeting is, you know, you get for a lot of teams, you get the coach, you know, kind of a standard deal. You get the GM, not always standard, but you know, frequent. And then you often often have access to the owner, which is, as we all know, in general, I don't mean for us, for our team, because we have an owner that just doesn't talk. But in general, the owner is not always the most available person because they're you know, doing owner things. Where, where, you know, people with wealth sure. kind of things. Um, but here they're right there. Uh, you know, you're walking around the lobby or there was a, a, an event on Tuesday, uh, on a Monday night. And like like I said, Robert Kraft is, is is right there in the same space as Ron Rivera, in the same space as Chris Collinsworth, in the same space as Michael Phillips, you know, the Matt Rushmore people that I saw the other night. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, it, it is interesting. To see, like they're having, so, so the other writers are having these sort of more normal discussions. Hey, coach, what did you think about things you got done in free agency? Hey, owner, uh, whatever, what, what, what's, what's your take on something that's sort of, of a benign topic? Or maybe it's one of these league topics that you mentioned where we get, of course, is, <laughs> hey, Roger Cadell, um, does our owner uh, still run the team or not? What is he suspended? Is he not suspended? Oh, and then, by the way, even with the benign topic, like the new quarterback, even that was not exactly fun because everybody's making fun of that yeah. to various degrees, um, unless you're Ron Rivera, who's very much defending it. So, yeah, we, we, I, think, I feel like, yeah, we had a different experience than most of the other people here. Can, can I just swing this on a tangent for a second? I'd like to address something that's out there and that I know is out there. Um, that we are a very negative as a beat core, and uh, I understand why people feel that way because a far higher percentage of the stories I write uh, are negative than the average NFL beat writer. Uh, fully acknowledged there. Uh, but there's this notion out there, and I think it's just frustration. I think it's just people venting. But there's this notion that we like that and that that's good for business. Um, and I'd just like to go ahead and shatter that one right now. Uh, it's terrible for business, and it's terrible for our relationships with these people that we cover and our ability to tell good stories and have reader interest for more than just passing glances every once in a while and 
You know, a, a team that's popular and has the ability to build a stadium without people questioning whether or not they should do it, uh, it makes our life incredibly difficult. Uh, but at the same time, what kind of job would we be doing if, if we just came out there and beat the drum and like, this, this is great, Every, everything's going great? Uh, and to, to that extent, we write the positive stories. They're out there. You know, the, the negative ones are more memorable. I get that. It's like, it's like food reviews. You know, you, you remember when they, like, tear apart Guy Fieri's restaurant, not, you know, not to, like, you know, it was an Indonesian cuisine that had rich texture of flavor. Like, you don't remember that one. You remember the one where he's like, Guy Fieri, what a joke. Like, you know, and that's where we're at. No, it's a it's a it's a good point. I mean, like I, I don't know. know. I know. You, you, prob- you probably had a you probably had a great plan for today's podcast, Ben. And like that's like one of the most organized people I know. Like you probably had like lots of topics and questions. I just come in here like rip it up and, and go on a little thing. So I I appreciate that I keep getting invited back, but uh, you know, just that I'm putting Ben on the spot here. Right? We we didn't rehearse this. No, no, I, 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 prefer, <laughs> I, prefer, I prefer off the cuff and, and, and candor above all. And yeah, I, I mean, look, at the end of the day, I, like, I don't know why Michael got into, into this. Like, I got into this largely because I really like sports and I really don't know how to discuss almost anything else. Um, even in small talk is pretty much a 90% sports, some version of, for me. So like, this is my wheelhouse, but I don't want to talk about congressional roundtables and investigations. Um, you know, I, I didn't. I didn't sign up to, uh, you know, discuss organizational culture and, and and the rot within. But these are the things that we have to discuss because these are the things that happened with this team. And we didn't even get into those specific things. It was just because of Dan Snyder. It was just more of, hey, a reminder. This guy has been. He supposedly removed himself from day to day operations, and we haven't heard an update as to where things stand. And and that was why we had to discuss you know, the questions of asked of Roger Goodell about that um and then all these other things even with carson wentz well, i have said i understand why ron rivera made the trade right i get it he, he he looked at the world and said i just had six quarterbacks play here over the last two years none of them were real difference makers um on a positive way at least um and he's staring at a world where if they don't make this trade i don't know what he thinks is going to happen the draft is it's always a, a bit of a crapshoot, but even more so it feels this year. So they made this trade. My biggest concern was, did you need to give up all the picks and take on all the contract? Fine, whatever. My point is, like you're saying, I, I understand why they did it. But then when Jim Ursay, the Colts owner, comes out and just continues to crush Carson Wentz and basically say, thank God we got rid of him and we got lucky to get Matt Ryan and um, we, you know, we needed, we knew we needed to move on. That's not us being negative. That's what the other people are saying. But we have to discuss it because it is important to know why did Ron, why does Ron Rivera think this is a good move? But the Colts could be happier to have gotten rid of the guy. So if that makes us, if all these things make us view as negative, okay, that's what you, that's how you want to look at it. But we're just, this is what is happening. We have to discuss it. I'll even acknowledge the point that, that we write negative stories. I mean, we we do negative things are happening. I, you know, Carson's a little bit, I'll put Carson in a separate corner. Like, he has a personal thing going on with Ursay, and that's weird. Like, I, I think Indy grades their quarterbacks on such a different standard than, than than we do in Washington. Like, you run down that list, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. Like, Carson Wentz is absolutely the worst quarterback to play for the Colts in the last two decades. Where does Carson Wentz rank right now on the list of Washington quarterbacks in the last two decades? 
without doing a formal list, he's top five, and it's a long list, by the way. It's an extensive list. I think he's top five on the list. Now, I'm not sure that this will work out. I don't think it'll work out. I think it was a desperation trade. Um, you know, you know, there's 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 lots of factors going in. I thought you asked the best question of the entire weekend, which was you know, Ron Ron did his little thing like, hey, I'm tired of people saying we can't get free agents. You know, this place is on the upswing. For you know, perception is ridiculous. Uh, and, and then you essentially asked Ron, well, why didn't you get any free agents then? Um, you know, and look, Carson Wentz had to come here. He didn't have a choice. That that's how trades work when you don't have no trade clause. Uh, it was a very fair question. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, just to, just to stay on sort of that for a second, um, yeah, I mean, look, Ron Rivera is, you know, I've said before, he's a, he's a guy who speeches, he goes into these various interviews or, or press conferences, and he kind of repeats himself in a, in a few different ways, and, you know, we heard before they had a quarterback, hey, here are all the reasons why a quarterback should show up, including we have this really good offensive line, and then, of course, they've now swapped out two starting guards from that offensive line, so now part of the speech seems a little bit different, but okay, things change, and I don't take it literally. I understand he's trying to sell a message and sell a point. Same thing here with Carson Wentz. He keeps coming out and saying he's you know, sold on this guy, um, and, and to this to the questioning of you know where are things at with um, Washington being an attractive place for, for free agents, that was the line of questioning that you started with, and he starts going on about, um, you know, it is the perception is way better than what people were suggesting, and that led to, well, if that's the case, you guys have only signed two people, what what's the proof? And he's like, well, you know, who's to say we went after some of these bigger names? I'm like, well, then if that's if that's the case, how do you know they want to come here? And, uh, and, and, and that is sort of where we're at with this team right now, as we look at it now. It is, you know, we're, we're deep into free agency. If we just count Carson Wentz as part of that, They've added Carson Wentz. They've added Andrew Norwell. They added um, another defensive lineman that, that Rivera had. So the, the, the two outside free agents are two people that Rivera knew from Carolina. So they haven't added a single player at this point who has no ties to Rivera or no ties to Washington previously. It's just whatever. So it, it, you know, we're trying to figure out where is this team going. They still need to get um, you know a bunch of depth uh, at different spots. And there's other, you know, are they going to get another offensive playmaker? How are they doing that? I think that's a big question. What is their plan here? And that does tie into this idea of, wait, are people coming here? Are they not coming here? Are you being overly patient? Are you not wanting to spend money? And that's what I think we're all just trying to kind of figure out here. And after all this, that's all correct. You know, you just, just bask in your correctness because you're right about all of it. After all that, I still think they're going to make the playoffs next year. I really do. Is that is that a the NFC is bad? They'll have a better record. And Carson, they won seven games last year, and now they have a better quarterback. In theory, is, is it that, or is there some other reason why you have that no. optimism? No, that's it's it. like Taylor Heineke won seven. Carson went absolutely to Heineke. I say this is a Taylor Heineke guy and a well-known Taylor Heineke guy. Carson Wentz is at least two games better, so that's nine. And the schedule's way easier, and I think that's ten. Um, I don't know. I, I don't run, you know, leaning into the expectations, whether he likes them or not, understands they're there. I don't think they're unfair. Um, this defense did not dominate like it should have last year. And I think if they come back and do that, which you, you have to have that expectation, I don't think 10 is unfair. I really don't. I think they can get that. I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with you, and I know this will go against the against the narrative that we're just negative Nellies over here. But like, 
I mean, like when Ron, when Rivera says he thinks there's the there's the foundation of a team that if you add a better quarterback that they can make a leap. I, I don't necessarily think it's completely wrong, especially if yeah. the defensive line wakes up. I mean, he um, the one topic that came up about the defensive line was about Chase Young, whether he's going to basically show up for these offseason programs like uh, unlike last year. And Rivera said that he believes Chase Young has some sort of an awakening off of that year. And I think that will be very interesting to see if how if that's true. If, if, if so, how does it manifest itself? Obviously, he's coming off ACL, so we won't see him at OTAs on the field. But if he's around, great. Uh, but, yeah, the defensive line above and beyond has got to play better. Like, they've got to be able to do what we saw in the playoffs with some of these other teams where the, the defensive line is dominating – a series, a quarter, a half, a game. And Washington, you know, didn't do that at all last year other than, you know, some moments with, with individual players. Um, if that happens and Carson Wentz, you know, I, I, I don't want to say uh, does way better than what these uh, what, what these other people who've had him in the past seem to think of him, but just, you know, even last year, he had 27 touchdowns and seven picks. By the numbers, that sounds great. By the play-to-play, everybody who watched him says, dude, those numbers do not – correlate with the player we saw, but it's not fine. If he, as long as he's reasonable, yeah, I think it's conceivable. That said, I do think they have a bunch more holes in the roster right now than they did when the season ended, and that's where I need to see what happens here going forward. How do they fill in the gaps that they lost all their defensive line depth, basically? No safety depth. Um, they still need to add a linebacker one way or the other. Are they going to add another offensive playmaker? Um, you know, what, 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 what's going on at tight end, things like that. So there's still a ways to go before I can give them a grade. But I'm with you. If they do it reasonably, I, I, I think there could be a positive season here. Yeah, I, I don't think we talk about the defense enough. I, I think that on paper, this is a, this is a really good defense uh, with a lot of really good players, especially on that line. I, I think disrupting is, is the name of the game and what they do. Uh, and, you know, I don't even, I almost don't even want to talk about it if they don't do it because that's a scary thought where you say you invested all this time and then, then you know, there's no there's no finish line. That, that's a potentially rough situation. I'm more inclined to believe they're going to get it together because they almost have to get it together. Um, for sure. Let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, Roger Goodell, though. Um, so that was the sort of the capper for, the, for this event. We all got here on Sunday. Um, Sunday is sort of the everybody kind of gets situated Monday, Monday morning, then Tuesday morning, the coaches first, the AFC, then the NFC get together or not to get together. They hold individual press conferences in the same big kind of ballroom space. And then if you're fortunate, you have some extra time with them. And we, we did get a chance to talk to Rivera multiple times. We talked to Martin Mayhew on Monday, but then the cap is Tuesday late uh, or early Tuesday evening. Roger Goodell does his press conference. Um, and like you said before, he's answering a, a wide range of questions. It's not just about our team, but obviously that was our big focus. And he was asked essentially the question, um, Nikki, uh, our friend Nikki Zavala with the post asked a question to me, it was the only one that I really sort of cared about, which was essentially where are we at with Dan Snyder? Is he back in charge or not? And the answer to that to me would say something about, you know, if he's not in charge yet, then okay, what are we talking about here? What, what is Dan Snyder staying away from this throughout when I don't really buy that he is at this point? I mean, you know, we'll get to that in a second. Anyway, here's what, here's what Goodell said, and then we want to get, I want to get your, your take. Uh, quote, Dan Snyder has not been involved in day-to-day operations. I don't believe he's been at the facility at all. And when we continue to have league matters, Tanya Snyder, 
has represented the team as the CEO both on a day-to-day basis, but also here with the league. She represented the club here, and that will continue for at least the foreseeable future. But Dan and I will talk about that at some point. And there's a lot in, there's not there, there's, there's no real specifics there, but there are, are a lot of vague things we can interpret. Um, he's claiming that, well, actually, screw that. You tell me, what, what's your impression of, of, of what he said there? I don't think Dan's on great terms with Roger right now. I, I think that's as hard as you'll ever hear Roger go in on any individual owner. Uh, and, and he didn't go in on the team later. Uh, to, to the question about you know the, the Bud Light sponsorship and, and the decline in ticket sales, like you know he, it, that was not on his list of things. To, you know, he's not a guy who chastises the teams. He knows his role, and I mean to put that out there, I, I think that's as hard as Rogers ever going to go on somebody. I I think you got to assume that there's there's not peace in the kingdom right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely agree that I don't think Roger Goodell is, is a huge fan of, of, of Snyder based on how we interpret these things. The slight difference, I think I had interpretation from some others in the field that this wasn't to me the first time this happened. Back in October, he, he was asked about this at the owners meeting that at that one, and he said, um, I quote, I do think he's been held accountable, dot, dot, dot. Dan Snyder has not been involved with the franchise for now almost four months. And I remember the tone of that. Seemed a bit aggressive here. I think it was this was this was my first Roger Goodell in person press conference, and to be honest, I was a little <laughs> disappointed. <laughs> like it wasn't like overly like feisty, but whatever. Um, but 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 yeah, to me, like what he said in October, and then combined with this, is just a reminder. He's basically saying, in my opinion, he's saying that basically Dan Snyder has been told to to, to be away from the team in any in any meaningful way. We're not going to call the suspension for whatever the reason, as you pointed out, you know, back, you know, when this thing originally went down back last summer, that Dan Snyder had, or people representing Dan Snyder reached out to various media outlets to say, hey, to be clear, he's not been suspended. Don't, 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 don't interpret this as such, but it's, you know, it's kind of hard to not view it in these terms. Um, But the idea that he's not been around the organization, essentially, not being in the facility, okay, I, I don't necessarily know if that's true. Kevin Sheehan, um, our friend at T980, there's a, he talked to Ron Rivera during the season, and Ron makes a, just a casual comment about seeing Dan Snyder and having just basic conversations with him. It sounded to me like more about like life stuff, but whatever. He said, yeah, he might see him at the facility. So there's that. Also, if you're showing up at the games, that, that counts as the facility, in my opinion. And when you're showing up at the uh, name change, same thing. I mean, the facility doesn't is not just specifically Ashburn. It is the whole totality of it. He's still around plenty. And if he's and by the way, as a reminder, Tanya Snyder is his wife. So the idea that like this is like some separation of church and state is obviously you know borderline preposterous on that front also. It it I mean it's exhausting. It's exhausting. There's there is a cost to removing Dan, and it's a huge cost because he is going to. Litigate to the bitter end, probably reveal some state secrets they all revealed, um, and it's going to set a precedent that the other owners don't want to set. It's a huge cost to remove Dan. It just is. But the cost of keeping him is growing higher by the day, too. And when the Wilkinson report, you know, all those reports that you recommended Dan sell, and so they, they didn't release the report, they just did the oral report, like, if, if Wilkinson had recommended Dan Sell in, in print there, 
there's no going back from that. You have to remove them. Um, you know, you, you can't say you're doing the serious investigation and not do that. They're working hard to keep Dan in power, and he's just making bigger headaches for you. Um, and at some point, you got to rip the Band-Aid off. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just an incredibly complicated situation, as we are all well aware. Um, you know, this also connects with, you know, even like the stadium stuff. You and I talked about this when you were on just uh, the other day. We don't have to get into all that, but obviously, as for these jurisdictions, you're not just dis discussing how much money do you want to spend. You're also discussing do we want how much business do we want to get into with this person? How much money do we want to give to this person? Because it is going to reflect on those bureaucrats, right? To hey, wait, how much money did you give a guy who's currently his his, his you know his role is being questioned, his actions are being questioned, Congress is looking into him. I mean, all, all these things. Um, factor into it. And, and this also goes back to the idea of when Ron, when we ask Ron Rivera, are you getting people to come here? It's not, if, if players are not coming here, I mean, Washington is not the worst team in the league by any stretch of the imagination. They were, you know, the NFC East was bad, whatever, but they won the division two years ago. Last year, we said they, they won seven games. They, they beat Tampa Bay, right? I mean, like, like they're, 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 this is not Jacksonville where it's just like, oh, come on. Then you, you feel like you're never going to win there. It's the other stuff that might prevent people from like a Russell Wilson from saying, eh, I don't really need to like tie my wagon to this place. So it does all connect to the, it's not just about the off the field stuff. It does connect to the football stuff. And that is why it is interesting to see where this goes. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I think we're just sort of stuck in this limbo of not, you know, of them claiming Dan Snyder is kind of removed, but at the same point, I don't know to what degree that's really the case. It's, it's a situation, Ben. It's a situation. <laughs> it, it, it is. Um, uh, let's just point back to just a couple of their quick foot, football um, things. So as I said, we, we talked to Ron Rivera at his, for about half an hour at his press conference where we were there, the local reporters, there were about six of us there. Um, and then, so uh, anybody else could kind of just jump in as, as we did the day before with Frank Reich and Doug Peterson to talk about Carson Wentz. Um, anything for you out of that? See, oh, then we also got Mar got Rivera a few minutes later. We had a basically we were all eating breakfast together, but we were sort of borderline eating, and he was answering our questions. Um, and we had Martin Mayhew as well. Um, I, one topic sort of stood out to me, but I'll ask you: what, what was there any sort of thing on the football side, uh, roster side, whatever it may be, that kind of stood out to you based on anything that Ron or Martin said uh, beyond Carson Wentz? Let me guess: are you going Cole Holcomb? Is that your one? Yeah, I mean that was the one thing that sort of just stood out because yeah. it was it was new and different. Yeah, you know, and it seemed like when we closed the door on last year that Cole Holcomb was not a candidate to be the starting middle linebacker, and then now he is. So, so who knows what changed between now and then? Um, and then I, you know, I would say Ron almost ruling out taking a quarterback at eleven, but saying he wants a rookie quarterback in the building. Um, Quarterbacks are always going to drive the discussion. So, I, you know, I find that bad. But you asked some good offensive line questions. I I continue to struggle to work with myself into a frenzy over those, but I, I always appreciate the knowledge you bring to the table on the topic. Um, you know, I I think they have a lot of holes still to fill, but I it's early in the game, and I'm not, I'm not mad about it. And I just think it's one of those things like, you know, I asked him, I guess it was like, hey, we're all kind of assuming West Whitezer is taking over a guard, but is that fair? And then he went into, well, West, we certainly like him, but we also think Sidney Charles has a chance it'll be a competitive competition. Now, again, 
this is the same guy that said there would be a quarterback competition last year for the Panthers and whoever else, and we all were like, uh, I don't think so. But and and we were and we were right. So I, I don't. Yeah. I, I, it's not so much that I buy it. I just was like, it's sort of like with the Cole Holcomb pick, right? I mean, we've been writing, talking about since the season ended that they're looking for a Mike linebacker, largely because the head coach said that. And then we come to find out, eh, we we reverse course, we re, we rewatched the tape, we thought about it some more, and Cole Holcomb is a re, is a pretty decent option for us. I, I I imagine that's in part because the market has perhaps gone the way that it's gone. Um, I, I haven't heard too much about them making bids for other linebackers per se. Whereas, like I know it's a tight end. I'm aware of some guys that they've um, supposedly gone after. Um, so we'll 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 see where, where where this goes. But yeah, I mean we're on the roster front. It is sort of just filling in the gaps at this point, the depth. It's not a ton of other stuff. It is going to come down to the defensive line, the Curtis Samuels of the world, obviously Carson Wentz and so on. And and, and that is largely uh, where, where we're at. Would, would you like to, before I let you go, would you like to add anything about the scene itself? We, we didn't stay at the Breakers, which is where the uh, event was, but we got to loiter there for several hours. And uh, that was quite quite the change of pace from the uh, tent in Ashburn to yeah. to the hoity-toity world of, of the rich and powerful. Yeah, Breakers is cool, man. I've never been. Um, it, every owner's meeting kind of takes the vibe of, of where it is, I feel like. Um, I, I prefer the zone. Everybody's kind of chill, laid back. The, the Breakers is, very, is a very formal place, you know. Yield of days, lots of money, uh, big ballrooms, you know, European-style frescoes. I, it's stunning. It's 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 incredible. It's all those things. Um, you know, I don't think it's like the most conducive to just hanging out. Um, but it's yeah, like, I, it's like if they film if they film the Great Gatsby, you could like film that movie in this place. Oh yeah, no question. It has no the old, has the old money kind of vibe to it. Oh yeah, a lot of old money there. Um, it, you know, it, it's a great event for casual conversation kind of taking the pulse of everything that's going on in the league uh which, which is why i've always enjoyed it um you know it's still i came in thinking let's take the temperature of the room on dan i leave without a definitive answer other than to say he's still on the outs and, and there's still nowhere close to pull the trigger um all all true um and well, look, uh, you, you've got to go do your thing, get ready to go home. i got to figure out my journey here, my last day in Florida as well. Um, go read Michael at the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Follow him on Twitter at MichaelPRTD. We'll have more to discuss. Um, always appreciate the time and the energy. And, uh, boy, you know, I mean, one, hopefully the next time we go to an owner, NFL owners meeting, we can just focus on, hey, uh, What's it like coming off a, a division title? Uh, you know, wow, Carson Wentz, that was an amazing trade. Uh, you know, well, Jim Irsay, come on, man. Boy, boy, you look pretty silly. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's where we'll be in a year from now. New, new stadium at RFK. Oh, well, yeah, if we're going to dream big, right? New stadium at RFK. Um, sure. Well, why, why not? Why not? <laughs> yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Michael, safe travels. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Great to be in the standing room, and uh, I'm sure we will catch up soon. All right. Many thanks to Michael Phillips for his time. Thanks to everyone here for checking out the podcast. We'll be back on on uh, 
in in the DMV for the next episode, so we'll get back to a normal situation. But I appreciate everybody's patience here. Um, but that is it for now. Ben Sandick signing off. Until next time. See ya.